What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going. And welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I am the co-founder of JustBaseball.com, as well as a prospect writer and analyst. And in today's episode, we have part two of the discussion with Baseball America writer Jeff Ponce, of course, just going into the recently released top 100 list that Baseball America put out there. Of course, Jeff had a ton of input into that list and a ton of insight. If you listen to part one, you know that already. If you haven't caught part one, definitely go check that out. Not that you have to listen in chronological order or anything, because we jump into it here in this episode talking about the Marlins pitchers, because I thought it was really interesting to see where Max Meyer was ranked towards the 75 range, 74th, I believe, overall. Whereas Yuri Perez, someone I really like, an 18-year-old wonderkin, was as high as a 48th overall. So very interesting rankings with the Marlins pitchers. Really just an interesting conversation overall about the litany of arms that the fish have. And then we get into the rest of the top 100. Ellie De La Cruz, how does he compare to a Jason Dominguez, who are some of the guys that just made the cut, maybe just missed the cut. The rest of the top 100, we talk about a lot of the notable names in the back end, and I think you'll really enjoy it as Jeff just always is a wealth of knowledge and so much fun to talk to. Without further delay, here's part two of the conversation with Jeff Ponce. Speaking of churning out and developing, uh, the one thing the Marlins can do is develop pitchers. The one thing they can't do is develop hitters as of late. Uh, but they did it again with another pitching prospect, this time with Yuri Perez, who's six foot eight. It's <laughs> just outrageous because he has strong command relative to how raw he is and how big he is as a pitcher. 
that, I mean, I watch this guy and I'm like, where did they find this dude? He's your 48th ranked prospect. Not only is he the number one in the Marlins system, though, there's a pretty large gap between him and Max Meyer at 74 overall. I'll get into the difference between the two and why they're so why they're so far apart. So far apart with quotes, of course, they're both top 100 prospects. But Yuri Perez for for a moment, because I think that's a name that not a lot of people that are listening to this, unless it's you know my Marlins folks out there, may know. Where the hell did he come from and how did you guys, how did he sell you guys enough to move him to 48? Because I, I can tell you as, as a Marlins guy, I, I concur. Yeah. And we had heard like some stuff a couple of years ago after he signed um, this stuff had, you know, that it, he had, you know, big stuff uh, continue to grow uh, to, to six foot eight. Um, I think the thing that's unique about Yuri. So I'm the guy on the staff that's most sold in him. I actually think he's a top 20 prospect. I think that he is uh, uh, a unicorn. And I say that because he's six foot eight and he's a power pitcher who doesn't throw a sinker. I can't think of anybody who's taller than like six foot six who's ever pitched that wasn't like a a 90 to like 93, 94 mile per hour sinker baller. It's like after six, six, like those guys, because I think like Nate Pearson's six, six. Uh, I think Glasnow six six maybe like Lance Lynn so like they throw hard. The thing with Yuri is like Yuri has a fairly low release. Like he gets down the mound and he throws a high ride four seam fastball that's relatively flat, like as flat as a six foot eight pitcher, you know, could be. If if he was throwing the way he throws and he was six foot one, he would have like a jack lighter fastball. Okay, <laughs> where you know. It's so it's super efficient, good spin rates, and he's sitting, you know, mid to upper 90s. And he's doing that with 70 fastball command as an 18-year-old in full season ball. That doesn't happen. So when people try to compare him like Michelle Baez, whoever names you want to throw out there, he's not those guys because he's so much more advanced at a young age against full season competition than anybody we've ever seen before. Oh, mix in the fact that, you know, he has a really good slider, you know, plus slider. Um, he's got an average curveball. Uh, and he, you know, he throws a he throws a changeup that potentially could develop into, you know, an above average pitch if he commands it better. You know, I, I saw it a couple I saw it on a couple occasions and and it flashed. I mean, the, he threw some changeups where I was like, oh no. If that's if that develops, these guys are in trouble. Yeah, and there was a few that, especially off of that there's fastball. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? There's still projection left. Yeah, like how Wait. is that possible? He was born so, in 2003. He was born in 2003. I'll go down with I'll go down with the ship on on overranked Perez. I'm <laughs> fine with that. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think he's such a such a freak, you know. And um, yeah, I mean that's that's my Perez take, I and mean, we could. We could talk the Meyer ranking. I, you know, I maybe maybe Meyer's a little bit lower than like I personally would have had him. I can't remember where I had him. Um, you know, and I think I think the issue with Meyer is he has an all-world slider, and then it's like, all right, the changeup has gotten better and keeps on getting better. I think it's going to be a fine pitch. I've always said that, but I think will be average eventually, maybe better. But that hasn't happened yet, and. The fastball isn't a bat misser. It's not, it's, it's, it's an average to fringe average fastball. Yeah. 
with plus velocity. So he cuts the crap out of it. I really think in some ways he'd almost be better if he threw a sinker in that slider and, know, right. and just tried to work of it, you know, off of it as a as a ground ball pitch, which it it can be. Um, but I think the issue with Meyer is really just like he's got to figure out what the what the fastball is. Now that said, I I think that there's this a few things working against him. Number one, he had a tremendous season at Double A right out of the draft pretty much no other experience he's assigned to double a pensacola has a great year i think he was what the era leader um for the upper minors if i'm not mistaken uh because it was taj bradley for the lower minors and i think the overall um so you know good numbers but he didn't blow people away i think the way we had expected we wanted we, we want all these guys to have two eras with you know 30% K rates and, you know, 6% walk rates. And he wasn't that. And he was nibbling a little bit early on. Yeah. The other thing I think that hurt him is Jake Etter came out and Etter had a tremendous season up until the point that he got hurt, especially the first half. He was arguably the best pitcher from that draft in the first half of 2021. Yeah. And I think being compared to that, it was like, Oh yeah, Myers fine. But, this guy looks like a steal. Why didn't this guy go top 10? You know, and he's out pitching Lacey and, and Emerson Hancock and all these guys. And so and I think Yuri's breakout too. I think there was a lot that worked against him where there were other guys that were just performing so well that it kind of stole his headlines a little bit, you know? Interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I, I look at Meyer and, and I loved what I saw. I watched his last couple starts, specifically the AAA starts. And I saw a lot more comfort with the changeup, a more more of a willingness to throw it. And I thought it looked it looked pretty good at times. I, yeah, you know, sometimes it gets firm on him, but you know, if that changeup is even decent, he can flash it enough. I feel like the fastball will play up. But I, like you said, I was really surprised watching back on the earlier starts how ineffective the fastball was. And as a result, we were seeing him nibble, either nibble with it or go to the slider more early in the count. And as we know, it's hard to throw breaking balls for a called strike a bunch of times. He does it pretty well, but when he was walking a ton of dudes, I was like, what's going on? And I had to go back and watch. And it's like, it wasn't command issues. It was I'm nibbling and I don't trust my stuff totally. And that's kind of a pitcher telling on himself. So I understand it to a degree. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I would have him a little bit higher because of the success, but I, I understand where you're coming from with baseball America, because yeah, he's been pit, pitted against a bunch of guys that in the same system were arguably more impressive. Uh, and at the end of the day, it, that, that does matter. And I mean, even Edward Cabrera, when he was pitching, when he was healthy, was tearing up uh, the minor leagues too. He struggled yeah. when he got to the big leagues and watching back his starts, it seemed like most of it was just location, right? Fastball setup, target was here. He missed here. Uh, other than location, what, what did you see? Cause I mean, his changeup got pummeled, and that's supposed to be his his bread and butter. Uh, overall, just just did not quite you know pitch the way everyone thought he would. I mean, this is a guy I'm really excited about. I still think he's going to be a stud, uh, number three, number two type guy. Uh, but the curveball seems to have taken a leap here as as his best offering, and it was always the changeup that I felt like was hyped up a lot earlier on. Yeah, I think the big thing with the changeup is. Uh... It just got hit more than it should have. I mean, that's the thing is he had the worst uh, results off of that pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, the fastball, he throws hard, but shape-wise, it's not great. 
his curveball and slider, like his breaking balls, miss a ton of bats. And I think that's kind of his bread and butter. It's a matter of um, him learning how to sort of, number one, land the changeup consistently, but also um, kind of sequence and play off of his fastball so he can hide it a little bit. You know, it's funny to say for someone that can tr- touch triple digits, but I just think it's in terms of shape and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think ultimately his ceiling is? I mean, uh, you guys aren't really put off put by the struggles last year at the big league level, right? No, I think he's still like a mid-rotation type arm. You know, maybe there's a little bit more in the tank than that. But, you know, I think that's a pretty um, safe evaluation to throw on him. So if, if the Marlins are probably going to make a move, if they do make a move, which of those arms, any of them, which would you trade? Uh, I think you got to omit Sixto from this. Not going to put Sixto in that fold just because yeah. of the injury and it, and where he's at. Uh, not I don't know if you saw the video of him throwing about two miles per hour the other day. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a long road back for him. Uh, but of all of the other pitching prospects, you know, who would be the guy that you're trading away uh, to go get a bat? Because the Marlins are going to make a move. I don't know if they're going to trade from the big league club or prospect. I know they don't really want to trade Meyer or Perez, but who, who's the guy you're trading? Yeah, from? I mean, I think it's, I think Cabrera is the logical one to move. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, you don't want to move Meyer and you know, I, I don't think, you know, you don't want to move Yuri. Now, Yuri's untouchable, I think, almost, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, if Cabrera doesn't have a rotation spot, I think it makes sense to to make, you know, to to move him and maybe some other, you know, um, sort of fringe pieces in addition and, and potentially land a good player. Um, totally. You know, Marlins have the talent to do that, so it's yeah. impossible. I'm excited. And Eaters, I mean, the, the Tommy John surgery, extremely unfortunate, but I mean, what, what a year from him and another guy that now fits into the, the long-term plan as a potential rotation piece. Uh, talking about big league impact guys potentially next year, two names that I look at uh, because you know, their teams are going to probably need them at some point. Colwyn with the Rangers, a team that clearly is, is pretty set on trying to win now. Uh, Colwyn still needs some time, uh, but could be up there to help them pretty soon. And Bryson Stott, Phillies need a shortstop bad really badly and i think stott's pretty darn close to big league ready too let's start with win uh, is is it feasible for win to be able to slot into this rotation uh, at some point in the second half of the season and help this rangers team yeah i think it i think it totally is and and i, I you know i hate saying stuff like this but i i think i like cole win as much as like anybody in the public space i love the fastball sits 94 miles an hour um, he's got hop on it in really efficient shape, lower release, flatter VAA. He lands it consistently for a strike. It misses bats and, you know, average to above average rate. Um, once again, commands a slider, uh, good velo on that at, you know, 85 to 87 miles per hour. It's more of a tight gyro kind of, you know, bullet spin, uh, classic slider, you know, misses an average amount, uh, bats with that, but he throws it for strikes a lot. So, you know, uh, he's landing in zone and getting swings and misses. He's got a really good curveball. He's one of the best curveballs uh, in the top 100. I think I ranked it as such. Uh, it's got, you know, good velo, 80 mile per hour plus uh, average velocity on that. He's getting, you know, over a foot of drop on it at 80 miles per hour while he's landing it at an above average rate. It has the, the highest whiff rate uh, of any pitch in his arsenal. And he's got a good changeup. He commands his changeup. He has one of the better changeups as well. Had a near 70% strike rate with a changeup. That's a, that's crazy. Changeups typically have like high 50s to like 60%, low 60s 
strike rates. He's almost at 70% with a changeup. Uh, I believe it was the highest on our list. Uh, excuse me, no, it was the third highest behind Sixto from 2020 numbers and then uh, Reed Detmers. But Reed Detmers throws everything in the zone 75%. Yeah. So he can't not hit the zone. Reed no, it, it, yeah. So Cole, Cole Wynn, I mean, it's command across the board. They want to have him up next year. I think the stuff is there, and I think the command is there, and that's always the biggest hurdle for a lot of these guys when they come up because there's tighter strike zones in the majors. Exactly, and I would, I was arguing that he's probably one of the safest arms in this top 100. I, w- would you say that that yeah, might be the case? I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. This I, is a starter, and I think we forget how little experience he's really had. Yep. You know, he's still the whole COVID uh, uh you know, effects with a lot of these guys, especially for those guys that were drafted around the time he was, yeah. those are yeah, the, those are the guys that suffered the most first year. Oh man, yeah. you missed, you missed your, 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 your comeback, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, it's, it's nuts. And so Bryson Stott too, kind of a similar boat, uh, but Stott, you know, a guy that has just continued to develop the way that you would want to see him develop. I yeah. think he's kind of just done everything that we were hoping he would do. Uh, and, and that's, Exactly what the Phillies are, have here is, is a really solid prospect with, I would say, 50 to 55s across the board. And I think that's what Baseball America you guys yeah. have on him, too. Yeah. And I, I mean, just because nothing jumps off the page doesn't mean this guy can't be a damn good player because he doesn't really have a hole in his game. Uh, no questions. I think it's short uh, speed that is is going to impact the game, at least to some degree. I mean, it's he's going to be a net positive on the base paths, a hit tool that I think is going to translate. and power that will also translate in that ballpark. I mean, it's, it's slightly above average power that I think will translate into 20 to maybe even 25 as he starts to hit his stride uh, in that ballpark. Is that kind of the similar assessment that you have on Stott and also what kind of, what kind of impact can he make as soon as this year? I think, I think if I have to gamble on who's going to be the annual rookie of the year, I'm going to gamble on Stott, I think. And uh, over Cruz. Yeah, because I think there's no question that he's going to come up and hit. He was the best player in the Arizona Fall League when I was out there. And oh. I know the NFL this year had bad pitching. I was there for a week. I saw Stott four times, uh, two rounds of BP. I saw four games, including the All-Star game. I saw him homer on consecutive nights. And I saw him hit in the first two games. And it's funny, <clears throat> I have a scout buddy out there that works for the Twins. And, you know, um, I was hanging out with him the whole week. And so we were going to games together and sitting next to him at Scottsdale. Second time I see him. Funny enough, Haim Bloom is right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and people kept coming up and getting pictures with him. So I had to move because it was making me crazy because I had to like, and like, you know, he's like so gracious with the fans. It was funny. But anyway, I'm sitting there, stops up. He had maybe a single earlier in the game or hit a ball to the gap for a double. And I look at my buddy and he goes, this guy hits everything. Every at bat is great. He walks. He makes good contact. Even his outs are loud, and he's putting them in the right place. He doesn't miss too many pitches. Really, really great plate approach. I'm like, but is he ever just unleashing a ball? Like, is there power here? He's like, oh yeah. You just haven't seen it yet. I'm not kidding you, dude. Two pitches later, he hits a ball about 400 feet out to right field, and he's like, all right. I started laughing. I was like, all right. I guess I'm wrong. Next night, we go and see him at um, Salt River. Okay. And I want to say second at bat, he has, he gets a, a fastball. I think it was, it, uh, who's the, the former uh, California prep kid 
Uh, he's a pitcher in the, the Brave system. I don't think it's Victor Vodnik, is it? Or is Vodnik the guy I'm thinking of? Uh, Vodnik's in the Brave system, yeah. Yeah, but, to but, 99. Vodnik, but was Vodnik out at the at the AFL? Because there's two I get confused all the time. It's Vodnik and, and this other guy. But anyway, Wimmer just, you know, throws whatever, 95, 96. Tries to sneak a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. I almost posited it was Vodnik. I think it was Vodnik. It was Vodnik. He was out in Peoria. Tried to sneak a fastball by him. And oh wait, he was on Peoria. Excuse me, it's wrong. He was a teammate of Stott. So it was somebody else that was pitching for uh, Salt River that night. And so tries to sneak a fastball by Stott, and Stott just unloaded. And if you've been to AFL and you've been to Salt River, they have um, this bank, like this, this you know, the the, um, the grassy area, like behind the entire fence, and it goes up on a hill. So there's like you know the offices for whatever teams. I think it's going to be like. Colorado and somebody else. So he hits a ball that like is so far out to right field that it hits the top of the hill and bounces up toward the offices. And like, if you're at this park, I mean, it's another 40 feet up in the air and you had to, to, to do that. You have to keep the loft and the ball that far. And I'm, I'm sitting there like two nights in a row. And I'm like, this dude is a dude. This guy does damage i mean just absolutely crushed a couple of balls and he's fine at shortstop you know he's not going to win any gold glove awards but i think he's very he's a he's a stable and calming calming influence and i think he will be fine there for a phillies team that has been searching for a shortstop for a long time i think this guy could be the shortstop for five to seven years he has to say he doesn't need to be a gold glover to be better than dd gregorius out there defensively right and and i think that's what they're looking at i think that might be part of the reason why we haven't seen the phillies go out and make a move obviously they can't do it now but they didn't do anything prior to the lockout uh, to go address shortstop yep. i think we could see start opening day you think that he's going to get a shot to potentially crack that opening day roster yeah i think that's a i think that's a possibility they want to win now and, and harper i feel like harper's the kind of dude if Stott swings it in spring training Harper's not going to let them not have him there, right? Like, he's, I, I, would be, I would be shocked. And if they get, you know, if they are somehow able to eliminate the, you know, service time manipulation over the first two weeks, uh, he could be a guy that breaks camp. Totally. Another shortstop, but more of a stretch here. Uh, but another team that needs the shortstop to be able to develop and, and be their guy. Jeremy Pena, uh, a prospect that I really like unfortunate that his season was cut short because we'd probably be having a different conversation here. It wouldn't be me asking you a question as much as more. So how is he going to look at shortstop next year? I still think he's going to get a shot. We'll see what the Astros do. It's, it's a weird spot because this team is built to compete right now, right? They were just in the world series. And not only are you losing most likely losing, uh, you know, a guy that was a platinum Glover at shortstop who had his best offensive season in Carlos Correa, and then potentially replacing him with a prospect who only played, what was it, 40, 50 games, if that, in AAA? I love Jeremy Pena as a prospect. The glove translates right away, and that's part of the reason why I like him is that the glove is going to be big league caliber uh, and above average big league caliber, to say the least, right away. Uh, but we don't know if he's going to hit at that level, right? And and he did run into some more power, which was really encouraging. But is it feasible for Jeremy Pena to be able to play shortstop for the Astros next year? Uh, I think, I think it's all but a guarantee that he's their, their starting shortstop opening day. And I think the organization believes that he's going to be a star. Um, he's remade his body since he was at Maine. He's continued to add power and it's bat speed skill based power. Um, that's one of the big things. So I'm, 
I, you know, I have some, some friends that work for the organization and I've, I've discussed Pena with him. I had outside evaluators, not from the Astros, outside evaluators came to us during the process and said, Jeremy Pena should be a top 50 prospect. Baseball Prospectus had him 16. I know. I, I, I saw that. And I said, I love it. Um, I think Pena is going to explode. I think he is where he is right now. He's going to be way up that list pretty quick. If he played the whole season, I think that's why I said he may exceed prospect eligibility by the next time that we we update this list. And um, you know, elite bat speed. He's been hitting over the winter uh, in winter ball. Um, and as you said, he already had the glove. He got drafted out of Maine with the glove, and that hasn't backed up at all. Um, if and the speed. I sent you, if I sent you pictures of this bot of his like the body, dude, it looks like uh, like an action hero now. I mean, he's ripped up, um, added a ton of bulk, but it's lean. He looks like Giancarlo Stanton. Oh I'm not God. even kidding. I'll send it to you after. I'll send it to you afterward. A picture that I got from the organization. This dude is ready to mash this year. It wouldn't shock me if, like, he's AL Rookie of the Year and he hits 25 homers. Wow. You know. Um, and it's it, funny. I I tweeted this. I'll read it to you real quick. I tweeted this. Uh, exactly nine days ago. And, you know, it, it was met by a bunch of angry Astros fans, but also some that were excited about it. I said it would be a bit of an aggressive move, but I think Jeremy Pena could hold it down for the Astros at shortstop next year. The glove is ready now. And he was enjoying a major power breakthrough in AAA before going down with an injury. One of the names I'm excited to see this spring. A bunch of the replies were, they better not do that cheap bastard owners of the Astros, blah, 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 blah. I think that tune's going to change. And I, and I think you, you just made me feel even more confident about that. He's got the Crawford um, boxes. He's a righty and he's got the Crawford boxes. Yeah. I could hit five homers at, at, at you know. JJ Watt did. JJ yeah. Watt went yard in the Crawford boxes and BP. The Crawford boxes are like the, the best right field in baseball now that Camden Yards has decided to, I don't know, makes right field deeper than center field <laughs> <laughs> and like and like a pinball machine over there the way it's oh, going it somebody's gonna run into that corner and just get killed i know i know and Especially if it's in left field where it's like that's where you put like your worst fielder they're gonna have to put their right fielders in left field for a game. we were joking like poor ryan mountcastle is going to be running circles out there if they put him out there uh but another another prospect here that and and we'll fly through a couple more on the back end uh, somebody that I've honestly, you know, wasn't very much on my radar. Uh, you know, I can only keep up with so many guys and another guy that was only $60,000 signing bonus. Uh, I recently wrote up the Cincinnati red system and I was floored with this kid, Ellie Dilla Cruz. Uh, I'm looking at, at his tools. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can he run? Oh my gosh. Can he hit the crap out of the ball when he connects? Yes. He's raw. Lower half is a bit inconsistent. Who cares? He's super young. Oh my gosh, can he hit the ball? And his arm is outrageous at shortstop. I'm looking at Ellie De La Cruz. And I'm like, this is everything that people thought Jason Dominguez was. Is that is that crazy to say? Oh yeah, he was the best guy that came off the complex this year. It was him. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't even think it's a question. Um, you know, he's another guy that the you know the models love him because of all the freaky things that he does in the field um there's that crazy element i think this is like this is the the podcast we're going to comp for Tatis jr to everybody but <laughs> there, there 
there's like there's like Tatis elements with this too, where it's like he's another freaky, just athlete. twitchy, like yeah, like it just exploded. Like overnight, you were like, holy crap, this guy could be the top prospect in baseball in two years. And I, you know, Josh Norris wrote up an article yesterday, kind of highlighting some guys. You know, I would have gone with the safe pick of like Volpe, which was Volpe. his number one, which is his number one, but. Later on, we go. I mean, he's got Ellie maybe at like four or five, and it's not crazy to think like he comes out this year and has a great year, uh, and he shows the ability to get on base the way that Tatis did. You know, um, it wouldn't be crazy to see Ellie do that. I mean, it, the guy is a freak, and he he repeats the swing pretty well from both sides. I, I I liked the swing from both sides. Again, we talk about the lower half and and just some timing things, and that, that's all going to come together. But he's one hundred and 50, 160 pounds, right? Like, and the reason why I'm comparing him to Dominguez is it's freakish teenagers with tools that everybody has been hyping up. But I think the difference is you can see Dilla Cruz's tools shining through. I don't know if you can totally see all of those tools with Dominguez. You saw some of the power for sure. Better body tipping Dominguez. Yeah. So I'm saying there's projection there. He's 150, 160 pounds. Dominguez is, is, is maxed out. Like he looks like Tim Tebow out there sometimes swinging the bat. Like he looks very stiff. Uh, and that was part of my concern. You guys have Dominguez at 87. So Dela Cruz is ahead of Dominguez, which is funny because I said a little while back, Dela Cruz over Dominguez, and, and that was met with some like, what? But now I think it's more feasible. What are your thoughts on Dominguez here? Because obviously Dela Cruz is someone we, we really like, so it's not that crazy to have him above Dominguez. Dominguez is at 87. I've been for a while, and now I feel bad because now I feel like I'm just tearing this kid down too much. I want him to succeed. I want to be so wrong. I want to be so, so wrong because I want to see him be the best. I want like every prospect to pan out. Of course, it's their lives, right? We're just you know uttering some opinions here and there. I'd love to be wrong, but I just, I just don't see it, man. I, I don't see it, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on Jason Dominguez. I personally am fighting every urge to, 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 to omit him from our top 100 list. Like I, I'm trying to fight that urge. Yeah, I'm going to give it another year. You know, um, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, I wasn't totally sold on the hype to begin with. Uh, I'm always just very skeptical with these kind of prospects. Um, the I, with the IFA you know, guys. Who really knows? Who really knows these guys uh, besides Ben Badler? And even him, he'll be like, hey, I haven't seen these guys in a year and a half. Well, where did the 70 run tool? So you don't know what's going to happen. Where did the 70 run tool come from? Because that's quickly changed. Right, like that's quickly turned into fifty. Yeah. Where where did seventy come from? I don't know. I'm gonna guess that he ran seventy run times and then the body backed up. Really, that quickly? Added the COVID fifty. I don't know, dude. I, I'm so confused by Jason Dominguez because I, I it just seems like I hope they're reporting in that area, like not us, but just like the industry took it and just ran with it, you know. And Yankees five million Yankees. Yeah, but you know, I think the other thing is to. Give it a year. We could be coming back here in a year and this kid comes out and <laughs> it's all clicked and he looks tremendous. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it wouldn't shock me. You know? Yeah, and that's why the pushback for me is not that I don't think he could be a good player. It's that it's like almost unfair to him what, what has happened uh, yeah. with, with the hype and, and with how much money he's been put into his cards. And then no matter however you look at it, I think it's, it's just been unfair to him. And that's what the Yankee scouting director said himself. Real quick, flying through a couple other names. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, a guy that, again, I'm kind of fighting myself as to whether I'm going to have him on the top 100 list or not. Um, you know, the tools are there, but I mean, how, how long are we going to say the tools are there for uh, until we just say, okay, you know, the, the tools were there. 
but it's just not turning into production. He did show some, some more patience at the plate down the stretch. Uh, but I mean, this is a guy that swings at everything. Uh, this is a guy who comes with still some defensive questions, though he has the ability, just it doesn't translate totally in terms of just not making errors. And uh, there, there's just a lot to, to sort out there. What are the thoughts on Ronnie Mauricio? And is, is this a guy that you know you think belongs on the top 100? I mean, he barely made it on, on Baseball America's list. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just still betting on, you know, the overall upside and, and the, the tools there and they can still translate the skills. He had an awful uh, home ballpark to hit in. That's a really tough ballpark. And he still hit for power. And he still hits for all fields power. You see that from, you know, a guy on the left side of the infield. Uh, you're just more more willing to gamble on it. So I felt like, you know, it was an appropriate rank to move him in the back end and say, hey, this guy still has these abilities. Let's see where this goes. And he's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a line of like, you know, a demarcation. You can kind of pivot off. Like we're going to move him, down, move him off the list if it's not good or if we do see what we think we could see, we can then move him back up. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at with Mauricio. But he's another tough one, you know. There's That's the thing is, like, you don't want to completely bury somebody and then just uh, uh, write them off. And yeah. then a year later, you have to come back onto the bandwagon. That looks bad. You know? Yeah, that does, that does look bad. That but does I think there's, some reason, there's, there's cause for concern with him just like there is with the Dominguez. And I think it's... Uh, it would be irresponsible not to recognize that, of course. What kind of impact does Jose Miranda make next year? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he should have been up last year. Uh, obviously, he's, the bat is what you're, yeah. you're you're going for here. But what kind of impact? He, he's he's a little reminiscent of Miguel Vargas in terms of bat to ball translating into some power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what it is. He's just an older. Uh, you know, there's defensive questions. I think the thing he has is going for him is he has versatility, can fit at a few different spots. But uh, in terms of the bat and the production that we got last year, he looked like he was as major league ready as anybody. So I would imagine that he sees uh, some run with the Twins this year in their infield and maybe plays a few spots, some DH. We'll see. He's an above average regular potential all-star yeah, I, think, I think i don't know about all-star i think like but you know an above average regular that's like a a, a hit first guy that can fill into a, a few different positions but you know make some bungles in the field that that drive you crazy yeah quinn priester disappointing year a guy that i was really excited to see what he would do in 2021 uh command stuff just it was a little bit of everything he's still in the list at 88 i mean he still has so much projection uh how how much of his upside has been compromised by what you saw last year, if at all, or how much more risk is there now than maybe what was perceived prior to the season? I'm probably not the guy to talk to on um, Priester. I, he's good. He's a, he's a good, interesting, projectable prospect. Um, I, I, I don't love it. I don't think the, the fastball is uh, great. You know, um, you know, obviously the numbers were really good last year, you know, 3.04 ERA, uh, you know, he struck out, you know, nine per, per nine innings and, you know, the walks were under four. Um, but still it was a 24% strikeout rate, you know? Yeah. I came away honestly disappointed. I, I, I personally love it. Um, you know, but I think when you, you look at some of the stuff that he does and I think the thing that I like the best about Priester, um, the changeup has projection if he throws more strikes with it, as as does his curveball. And then, you know, we kind of move on to the slider. And the slider's already 
kind of there. Um, he throws it for strikes a lot and above average rate. He misses bats. Nearly, he's got near 50% whiff rate on that pitch. It's a really good pitch. And uh, in terms of, you know, slider velo, he was among the leaders in the top 100. So for a young kid, that's great to see. I mean, the only he, he throws his slider effectively as hard as Sixto Sanchez throws his. Wow. Um, so it's a really good pitch. And, you know, he's got some fastball velo as well. Not great shape, but he's averaging, you know, 93 to 96 miles per hour. I think that will play. Uh, we'll see what they do with him. He looks a little more back endy to me than he does to other people. Yeah. Uh, I I'd have to double check where I had him. Um, yeah, I don't know if I think I have mouse. I think I would have him outside the top 100. I have to double check on what my 150 was. See maybe. a little like Logan Gilbert in there or. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't think that's an awful comp. You know, I just, I, we need to see this four pitches. You know, I think there's, there's a good secondary, but it's just a matter of like, can he improve fastball shape a little bit um, and throw his change up for more strikes? He does those two things. I think there's, you know, a lot more upside potentially, but uh, he looks like, you know, back end mid rotation type guy to me now gets a lot of love though. I think um, the makeup, I think is, is a big reason. Reading, people love him. Maybe it was the, the whole thing where he learned pitches on YouTube and yeah, got He's got a lot of love, though, uh, in the prospect community. Yep. Last name, last guy, because this is somebody that I'm probably most bullish on heading into 2022. Daniel Espino. It's the combination of the fact that he's 6'2", 205 with tree trunks for legs, has a fastball that sits 97, 98, is topped out at triple digits, crazy movement profile on it, a slider that's disgusting utterly disgusting. And I think, you know, the, there's a chance the curveball or changeup can emerge as that, as that third pitch. Uh, I, I thought the command came along, obviously he's got some ways yeah. to go there, but in an organization that has done a phenomenal job at developing pitching, this guy to me is a, is, is a top five prospect in terms of pitching a top five right-hander for sure. Um, I, I'm probably going to have him in the top 30 for us in, in our update. I can't wait to see this guy throw. Yeah. You know, and I think the command is there for the fastball and the slider, which are both easy plus pitches, not double plus. And uh, it's just a matter of throwing strikes with a curveball or the changeup. And he hasn't done that at a very high rate at all, mm-hmm. well below average. And uh, I think that's the question. If one of those two pitches emerges, all of a sudden, Espino is a very viable starting pitcher. I think he's still going to be developed as a starting pitcher up until the end because, you know, those two pitches are so good. And there's plenty of great starters throughout history who predominantly threw two pitches, especially if one was an elite fastball with elite velocity and an elite slider. You know, Uh, Nolan Ryan got by on two pitches most of his career. So I think it's people kind of forget that. but, you know, he's got the ability to also translate into a bullpen role in high leverage and immediately get out. So a uh, couple years away, time to develop, really good athlete, um, interesting backstory. Uh, but I think everything's there for, for him to be a really high-end pitching prospect. If everything clicks, this guy could be a front-of-the-rotation type of starter because he's got the stuff to do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm really excited about what we're going to see from Espino next year. And a guy, like I said, it's going to be climbing up the ranks pretty quickly. And uh, that's that's about it, Jeff. That's all I got for you. We've almost went through the whole list. Is there anybody else that I missed or anything that you are excited about or want to talk about 
that you have on the in the works or something specifically uh, on the top 100 list or a guy that you want to talk about that maybe we didn't get to? No, I just think, you know, there's going to be a lot of content coming out. Uh, like I said, pro stuff, college stuff, um, helping out here and there with the draft. Uh, but I think the whole team, you know, all of Baseball America, um, we're pumping out a ton of content all week long. Uh, the highest quality stuff, um, you know, all well sourced and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so I think it's worth it, you know, so subscribe and uh, be able to follow along with all the stuff I'll be putting out. Uh, have another future four. I've been doing these leading up to the start of the college season where I take four uh, draft eligible college pitchers of a particular handedness. I've done two lefty articles and one righty article. I'll be doing the second righties next week. And um, then I got a couple more and then the season will start. But uh, digging on those, digging, digging on pitch mixes so we can go a little bit deeper, go a little bit more under the hood on some of these draft pitchers and, you know, see what they develop and kind of revisit it at the end of the season and say, Hey, you know, this is what I thought it was this developed this backed up and you know, this is what your team can expect to see. So uh, a lot of that stuff. And then it's uh, a lot of in-season content that will come. So appreciate yeah. you having me on as always, man. Of course, man. And I'm looking forward to having you on uh, once the season starts and we can start looking back on uh, some of the things that we said and uh, where we were at, uh, where we were right, maybe wrong. And uh, again, really appreciate the time as always, Jeff, one of my favorite uh, guests to have on here. And uh, second guest, by the way, of the call up since we made the jump over uh, under the Just Baseball Network. And uh, Griffin Conine was the first. So uh, definitely uh, uh, basically the first guest that isn't someone I've known for 12 years. So uh, <laughs> high praise there. Sure. And uh, he's Jeff Ponce, G-E-O-F-F-P-O-N-T-E-S-B-A on Twitter to keep up over there. Great stuff is always from you there. And again, check out that piece as well, uh, ranking the best pitches in the top 100. A great job on that. I'll have that linked in the description as well. But Jeff, as always, thank you so much, man. And uh, looking forward to talking to you when the season comes around, because guess what? We don't have to worry about the lockout on our end of things here for the minor leagues. So that's going to happen. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Same here, man. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.